and welcome to Fake Movie Experts, the movie review podcast that breaks down one movie franchise at a time. This week we're starting a new franchise as we're going to be talking about Get Shorty. A movie that maybe didn't need a sequel? I digress. I'm your host, Joseph Lessel. I'm alongside the man that picked this movie, Ricky Maricelli. How dare you, sir? We got Rock's breakout role in the follow-up movie, so how dare you? In some people's minds, it's the mummy, but, you know, the man that, uh, what do I want to say? How do I want to insult Keith? Hmm. Ah, Keith Swellen, you're here. Hey, that was the <laughs> nicest thing anyone's done in a long time to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you distracted me. I was going to do this whole thing about the... the you can still uh, do it, Keith. Yeah, it was it was an okay joke. Not great, B minus. Okay. So that's what's coming up. So an improvement do... for most of your jokes. C plus. <laughs> He's average. I was, I was gonna talk about yeah, just a yeah, around average. I was gonna talk about the hey, are you aware of a recording button? Got it. And then yeah, it's like an urgent thing to click right before you start recording. So it's kind of tense, you know. I was gonna do a thing about it's like diffusing a bomb right before you start talking on the podcast. So <laughs> oh, oh let's um let's talk about get shorty um before i do any of the details rick why'd you uh pick the franchise uh i don't know it kind of just like popped up in my mind and felt like a john travolta led movie would be kind of fun especially with the 95 prime travolta and i was right prime travolta's fun i mean travolta's fun but yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of just Keith got me on a kick of just doing ran- more random franchises, less like well-known big blockbuster, more good acting fun with not such great follow-up movies, supposedly. Okay. Well, this movie came out October 20th of 1995. Oh, oh runtime of one hour and 45 minutes. Directed by Barry Sonnenfeld, which he has directed movies such as 1991's Adam Family, uh, 1993's Adam's Family Values, all three first original Men in Blacks, one, oh, two, shit. and three. Wild Man, Wild West. Three. That's crazy. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. You're what? What? Keith? <laughs> what? Keith? No, I didn't know he did two and three men and like also those two. Men oh, in I was about to say you're praising the two and three and not one for men in black. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, more of a three guy myself. Yeah. <laughs> Knew three, it. Three's better than two, I'll maintain. Uh, he did do a Beverly Hills Cop TV movie. Yikes. <laughs> uh, that came out in 2014. Ooh. So uh, there's that. Um, he also did, I think, Rick, you watched the Apple show, like, uh, Shemagodin, uh, the, <laughs> the maybe? singing one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, what the fuck was that called? But yeah, Shibubi. it has, yeah, basically. But yeah, it has, yeah. uh, what's her name from SNL and then, um, not Peel from Key. Keegan, Mike and Ke- Keegan, Michael K. And Cecily Strong. Yeah. He yeah, directed the, he directed those, uh, I never finished that show, but I enjoyed it. I mean, it's hard for a show that's headlined by Cecily Strong and Keegan-Michael K not to be pretty goddamn good because they're both yeah. fantastic. So, 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's directed such things as those that would be uh uh that's a pretty uh, like heavyweight director. God damn, I didn't realize how heavyweight the director was. Yeah, this guy, his, I guess his name doesn't get thrown enough around now that I'm thinking about it. Like Men in Black and Get Shorty and Wild Wild West. My goodness. Because <laughs> he did, because yeah, he did. He had a streak of his first movie he directed was The Adams Family. And then he did the sequel to that. Then it went to Get Shorty, then Men in Black, and then Wild Wild West. And then he did, uh, I think Keith, I think your parents rented this, the uh, Big Trouble with Tim Allen. Yep. I, I, yeah, I remember <laughs> it. And I remember it at your house. I've seen that Schmigadoon, movie before. That's what it is. Schmigadoon. Yeah. Uh, then he did Men in Black 2, and then he did RV. And then so on later on, he did the Men in Black 3. And- I liked RV. That was a good movie. Well, he directed it. I, uh, I, I, I think I'm going to be a Big Trouble guy now. There it is. That's going to be my new thing. <laughs> always get in trouble. That's so, yeah. that's so weird that that's getting brought up because I watched because that came up on because I watched <laughs> I rented this on Amazon Prime and that popped up as like other movies you could like. And I watched the trailer on it. So that's <laughs> yeah. just right. I just attached. I've never seen it. I just I can honestly tell you, like I remember seeing like the DVD or the VHS of it at Keith's parent at Keith's house. The only reason I watched the trailer was because I got like you know, there's just those little like screenshots of the movies. Yeah. I'm like, is that Tim Allen? And then I watch the trailer and it's instantly his voice. I'm like, okay, I know I don't have to watch it now because it's <laughs> Tim Allen. It's probably, probably the best movie of 2002, honestly. <laughs> there it is. Uh, now, obviously, this, mo- this title could never be taken by anyone uh, other than the dad from Seventh Heaven for like famous TV dads who ended up being pieces of shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Tim Allen's pretty up there. Oh, also, he's a snitch. Yeah, did snitch on his cocaine. <laughs> I was talking more about you know him being a hardcore MAGA dipshit, but yeah, I'll still I'll still watch I'll, him. So oh, that's I don't fine. Care. I just don't do snitches. Yeah, yeah I don't <laughs> care. Uh, this movie has an all-star cast as it stars John Travolta, Gene Hackman, Rene Russo, Danny DeVito, Dennis Farnia. I think he just passed away too. Farnia. <laughs> Poor yeah. I mean, that dude plays the same person in every single movie he's in, and he does such a good job of it every oh, single damn. time. He he died in 2013. I lied. 2013. Oh, wow. He died a while ago. Holy yeah. Shit. I, I, uh, Delroy Lindo and James Gandolfini. Uh, John Grice. Do you guys know where John Grice is from? He he's the uh, he's the guy that uh, tries to step up to Dennis and or Bones, and he shoots him. And he I frames. mean, yeah, I know that part. Do you know where that actor's from? No. He can throw a football over a mountain. Holy shit, it is him. Wow. Uncle Rico, Napoleon Dynamite. Crazy. It took me more than half this movie to realize that bear was James Gadolfini, by the way. I seen James Gadolfini with a goddamn ponytail broke my brain once I figured ponytail, out. Ponytail, a beard, and like in shape. I liked his character. Oh, yeah. dude. Yeah. It God, James Gadolfini is so fucking good. It's <laughs> The entire cast for this movie, like it's so insane to like. You never realize how good everyone is at the time because like most of them weren't big yet. It's not like James Gandolfini was Tony Soprano yet. Yeah, no, he. Yeah, what is it? This came out in '95, and Sopranos never came out. Didn't start until uh, two th- 1999, so another four years before he's even, you know, a bigger name than he is then. 
but uh so what did you guys think before we break it down who's going first joe who do you want Pick. go ahead there you all go right. you've volunteered. <laughs> so while i was watching it i kept on thinking this is clearly like a foundational like the bones to a lot of movies that i like moving forward after 1995 like this like the what was the sentence i came up with i was pretty proud of that get shorty walked so kiss kiss bang bang could run like there's so many movies that came after this that are like they kind of use that formula of just like a cool actors talking to each other really fast and then like six plots happening all at once and it all kind of comes together at the end like oceans 11 does it too kind of later on so this movie i think is like a lot of a lot of styles came I mean, i'm sure this movie isn't the first one but it was clearly pretty popular so like i didn't necessarily have a ton of fun watching this one compared to those other movies that i mentioned but i still like i respected it as like you don't have the rolling stones without muddy waters so like i gotta like tip my hat to get shorty because I, I liked it in that way yeah, it could have been edited a little bit better if yeah. like it felt a little long once we were getting towards the end and it got a little bit too convoluted. Like there's too many plot points and like yeah. not everything in the end actually got like wrapped up. So there was a bunch of stuff just kind of left open, which might have been for an original sequel that never got made or what. I mean, because this is based off a book like and there was multiple books. So that kind of could have been left open because it gets solved later. Uh, but I didn't care in the end because it was just fun watching prime Tron Travolta like act. Cause the man goes off the deep end later in life, but God damn in his prime, John Travolta is such a good actor and it's just so fun to watch do his thing. And it's weird seeing a young Danny DeVito, like actually like look kind of young comparative to like what Danny DeVito is in my head and always looked old. I liked watch. I liked the presence of Danny DeVito not being a bit in the, in and of itself. Like Danny DeVito was just a character that he was playing instead of like, oh, it's Danny DeVito doing a Danny DeVito thing. So it was like, it was cool to see just like, oh no, that's just Danny DeVito playing a, like a character in a movie. That's <laughs> like, oh, we're supposed to like take this seriously. Cool. Like okay. instead of having like a gimmick, he was really just an actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was just doing yeah. his job. <laughs> and I mean, Gene Hackman's always great. He's fun to watch. So, and I love. Uh, Delroy Lindo, who played Bo, like yeah. always good in everything he does. Mm-hmm. So it was fun just watching really good actors act. And like I it made me realize why I liked the thing one so much better than the thing two was because they just let people like they let the good actors act in that movie in the first one. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, when you just let good actors be actors, movies that even have a bunch of issues like this one still turn out to be at worst okay. And I'm curious when this came out compared to Pulp Fiction. Like, well, yeah, Pulp Fiction I'll... came. So I, I, I'll, well, I'll bring it up now before I yeah. say what I say. So, um, Danny DeVito was supposed to have a big role in this movie. Uh, Pulp Fiction came out in '94. DeVito wow. was supposed to have okay. a bigger okay. role, but he was filming Matilda at the same time, so that's why he's only in it for a few scenes because of his uh matilda filming and then with pulp fiction it came out in 94 um travolta was hesitant to 
watch to do this film because of the fact that he he's having a comeback and with it being starting with pulp fiction you can say at the that in this time that in pulp fiction is is his comeback tour and he was hesitant to do this movie but he ended up doing this movie um after that's cool travolta had a really good run in the 90s especially swordfish that's not in the 90s. It wasn't? Uh, oh, it's 2001. Oh, one. That was an attempted comeback. That and, ba- that and Battlefield Earth. Battlefield <laughs> yeah, Earth killed that was, comeback. It was the 2000s <laughs> that kind of killed his comeback. Yeah. But but it was this. that's interesting that I, I thought, for some reason, I thought that Pulp Fiction was further away. That's crazy uh, that two such like wordy movies came out at the same time and they both did well because it's hard to like, it's hard to shoot King Tarantino off his dialogue thrown like that's a, it's it, it's impressive that, that, that these were out at the same time and they're so similar and they both did well dude listen to this run he did pulp fiction in 94 get shorty in 95 broken arrow in 96 and then face off in 97 that's such an insane run of movies and right around then will smith was doing the same thing <laughs> what is this so i i i I was looking into i'm sorry uh i was looking into breaking news (laughs) no i was looking at john tavolto's like time because pulp fiction and then he did a movie in between this and um get shorty it's called white man's burden so i was like what the hell like (laughs) what is this movie right and what it is that's our bowling team name white man's burden yeah uh this movie is it's the plot is this in an alternate America, America where the African Americans and white Americans roles flip, <laughs> the cultural I'll, roles flip. I want to see it so bad. So that's the premise <laughs> of the movie. Now it's this movie a, also looks like it's much older and just got released at that time because this movie looks like it's from the eighties. No, ninety. Well, according to this, 90, uh, 95. Well, that's when like, it was released. So, that doesn't yeah. mean that's like when it was made. Well, but yeah, it's like it's Garth that, Brooks, like the blues then. <laughs> yeah, right. But yeah, it's that weird thing. Like, I'm like, what the hell is White Man's... Why, what is a movie called White Man's Burden about? And then I look, I'm like, oh, it's raw reverse in America. Joe or Keith, because Joe and I are looking at it. Can you name... Think of who could have been the uh, the other man on the poster for a flip on this. Because, goddamn, it's, it's a name you wouldn't think. Is it Samuel L. Jackson? It's Harry Belafonte. <laughs> God damn, the 90s were a crazy time. <laughs> that decade doesn't get enough credit. <laughs> but yeah, it's that, it's that uh, weird thing. Uh, weird so, had Andrew Lawrence in it. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, it's a weird type of... Uh, weird movie man uh so uh my take on pulp fiction uh i'm i agree with you guys the fact like there were so many like storylines taking place that is supposed to complete at the end and they all do but it's just like all right can we cut it down to like three you said pulp yeah. fiction i mean no it's good short <laughs> i'm looking at, i'm still looking uh but Watching this movie, it it I I compare it to a movie I just watched, uh, the uh, new Nick Cage movie. 
if you think about it, in the ways of them talking about the movie as it's happening. Oh, and yeah. yeah, that's true. It's kind of like in my joke, it's like they this is what like the, the Nick Cage movie, the uh, unbearable weight of a talent, uh, you know, massive talent movie, it's all about. It's like kind of copying this one, but they did it better because it's actually more funnier. Well, like this movie is supposed to be a comedy, and I think I chuckled here and there, but other than the here and there stuff, it was just more of like, oh, okay. Uh, where are we going? What's moving on? Who, who's who? You know, like I honestly, besides a few names, I don't remember like any of them. Uh, it's kind of more dry comedy. Like it's yeah. more of like a British type comedy because it does definitely leans more into the crime thriller side that has just like some dry comedy in it. Because mm-hmm. like I wouldn't really like the next one leans way more heavily into the comedy. Like they go much heavier with like the type of characters that are in the movie. Yeah. Um, which which by the poster, is- which by the poster itself. Yeah, I can see how it's going to be more of a we know what type of comedy it will be, but like for this movie, it's just like, like I got the dry humor. I got that, but it's just more of like a, like, I, do you really want to call this a comedy? Cause I'm looking at it. It's like a crime thriller. And um, Cause I wouldn't really think of it as a comedy. I yeah. would think of it more as like a mob movie. That's on the lighter side. Mm-hmm. This that's, I remember I walked by this, movie a thousand times at hollywood video yeah and like i'm just i remember this movie always kind of struck like maybe it's because when i was when i was very young i wasn't allowed to watch r-rated movies and this movie was rated r but like this movie always kind of struck me as like dorky well pulp fiction was like the cool one around then yeah they i mean that was just my like my young like outside looking in kind of thing so it's it's it was it, it was interesting seeing it now that i'm some old man (laughs) compared to like when it came out like i think i would have loved this movie when i was like 19 or 20 a little more because it's i like i used to i was especially into like i got really into snatch and like kiss kiss bang bang and like just like the other guy richie movies that are kind of they're very very similar to this back then so I I do a, I have an appreciation for this formula and I kind of like it when you lose the plot a little bit that's kind of fun sometimes but it they didn't nail it in this one for me like the whole like because sometimes losing yeah like losing the plot can be okay but mm-hmm. like speaking of plot I just realized we haven't done that yet that's right I was just gonna uh, send it your way on flat <laughs> so is that you send mm-hmm. it in my way. Mm-hmm. Is it time mm-hmm. for the boys and girls, mm-hmm. non-binary, and everyone in between to gather around for the reading of the plot to get shorty? I think so. Let's get shorty. A bookie named Chili is running his books in Miami, has created a bit of a feud with a man named Bones, and things are all right because he's protected. Well, that's until his boss uh, bites the bullet or has a heart attack at a surprise birthday party, meaning... uh. Chili's books are now owned by Bones's boss. Well, Chili doesn't like that very much, so he uproots and slowly moves to L.A. because Chili loves him the movies, and he's ready to get into the movie business as a producer. So he joins Gene Hackman's character to create his uh, hit masterpiece. And all he has to do is find the money, the actors, 
avoid uh, some other crooked uh, loan sharks. And apparently, is it the Colombian mob? Yes. Well, all that and more is John Travolta tries to get a movie made in Hollywood and get shorty. Yeah, like we said before, that's just there's so much like, oh, what's this? Oh, who who's this? He who whose loan is this? Who whose loan is that? Um, who's who? Like, hey, you know, it's that funny thing of the actor. Uh, where'd you go? Uh, David Paymer, Paymer, the guy that took all the money and ran to Vegas. The second time we've seen him in Vegas because he was in Ocean's Thirteen as the hotel, the oh, five star right. guy. He was the guy trying to do the check in. Mm-hmm. He's a very good um, bit actor. Like he's just very yeah. good filling a role. Yeah. Um, where are my notes here? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so Travolta declined the offer the first time, but Quentin Tarantino convinced him to do it. <laughs> uh, there was a Ben Stiller, Stiller scene in the movie, but. Uh, they cut it out because uh, they didn't suit f- uh, the flow of the film. It was probably actually too funny. Maybe yeah. Ben Stiller was kind of peaking now. He, ben Stiller was a big deal back then. Doesn't he just yeah. produce nowadays? I feel like he's just like a behind the scenes guy now. Oh, he did the. Yeah, he. Well, I, I, I will say this: I would not put it on us, but the. Zoolander movies, Zoolander 2. Ooh, Zoolander 2 was rough. Ooh, ooh, that was a rough <laughs> one. Like, me and the producer watched it, and we didn't talk for a day and a half. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> because we didn't know what we just watched. Like that Rick and Morty episode where you just, like, all of a sudden you both just break down into tears. <laughs> yeah, like, we don't know what just happened. But, yeah. Um, yeah, we had Stiller, uh, Happy Gilmore came out, Heavyweights. Um, he was, you know, the cable guy and he did his TV short of Zoolander. So that started that. Wow. Yeah. He started Zoolander doing his Zoolander thing in 96 while the movie didn't come out until 2001. Um, damn, damn it. Uh, but, uh, I don't know. I was, I don't know how I feel like. I liked Volch in this movie. I liked the main four. I liked the, and um, what is his name? The guy, uh, what the guy Ricky like for me brought up. I'm, I lost the page here. Um, Hackman or Dennis? Oh, um, no, you're talking about the guy uh, in Gone Dilroy 60 Lindo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like him. Please I like Bo. I didn't, like the funny thing about this movie I didn't understand is like the idea of like, hey, you're a hitman or you're part of the mob and you're supposed to get money. He doesn't want to do it anymore. He doesn't want to do it. He wants to be um, non-crooked anymore. You know, he wants to make movies. And I'm like, okay, I get the paw of that. And then when we get to LA and then um, Delroy's like, hey, I want to do a movie too. It's just like, what is going on? Like, why does every mobster want to get out of the mob or the hitman? And they want to get out, but they want to produce movies. I mean, man, you go to L.A. That's what you want to do. Unless you're Keith and then you produce porn. This, I mean, yeah, mostly foot stuff. Very tasteful. Was, 
What Chicago. was Gene Hackman like uh, a movie away from start doing porn? Because Gene Hackman, his character, what was supposed to be a highly decorated director, and but then he starts stinking it up. I mean, it kind of well, I don't know if he was ever highly decorated. He kind of did like B rate horror flicks. It sounded like yeah. he was on his way to being in like um softcore Cinemax stuff. Yeah. I I will say I do and I miss I do love the like when when Tavolta's character is in his office and he's staring at photos and there's like the cheesy director photo of him like knee up on the director's chair and like I love those cheesy ass like all right Gene Hackman what yeah what, we're gonna need you to pose like uh a 1982 portrait from Sears and you're next to a like uh, alien creature that you've uh, you know have in your movie. So I I do appreciate when movies that come out don't take Hollywood so seriously as a lot of movies do, because like movies fucking love themselves and like the movie industry in Hollywood thinks it's like the most important thing in the world. If you ever see like The Life of Water or The Artist, like Hollywood thinks it's the most important thing in the world, and then. Like the Oscars always reflect that. They always win Oscars, like movies about movies. So like it's watching this movie, like kind of take a stab at like Hollywood executives. They're kind of sleazy and stupid and useless. I think, I think that was kind of fun. Like the, in the Keith, like, don't you love the Oscars and love watching Oscar bait? Yeah, but not the ones about movies. <laughs> Hollywood's obnoxious. They're all, they all love themselves. He <laughs> fucking hates Hollywood, but God Damn it, does he love the Oscars and Oscar bait? That's right. But uh God, the artist sucked so much ass. And that I watched it and I knew that it was gonna win the Oscar. The very I was like, God, these dumb motherfuckers, they're gonna eat this shit up. <laughs> Anyways, that's neither here nor there. But uh did did you guys watch that latest uh Apatow joint about making a movie? In, under COVID. No, I don't know. I'll be honest. I kind of boycott Netflix and Amazon Prime movies. They're just yeah, they're not movies to me. Yeah, no, I apologize for using the word movie there. I've been well said on this podcast. I think that streaming movies aren't movies. But um that movie also does pretty a pretty funny stab at like the people behind the producers and how like I, I almost oh, like man, we like, should watch that movie. Though I don't <laughs> think there's a sequel to the producers. <laughs> I'm good, thanks though. So I yeah, the, this yeah. <laughs> yeah, Rick, you're the musical guy here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's why eventually I'll pick the one song that or one movie that I can't think of the name of right now. Grease has there's two of those. I God have damn. thought about doing Grease, but Grease <laughs> 2 is just so fucking bad and doesn't have Travolta that it makes me not want to pick it. But I mean, I do love me some summer loving. It happens so fast. Yeah. And then he rapes her. It's all about rape. <laughs> I would, I will, I will uh, talk about John Tra- how, also uh, speaking of John Travolta. <laughs> uh, speaking of, uh, about rape and then also the fact of like she becomes a whore at the end. Don't get me started on Greece. I have the like the anti-Greece. Ooh, now hey, I really want to pick Greece. Don't be slut shaming her. She just put on oh, some leather. Sh- oh, I'm slut shame the shit out of uh, out of her. The whole first of all, someone who can't keep his legs closed shouldn't really blame anyone else for not keeping their legs closed. Yeah, Keith. <laughs> Keith is a bit of a man whore. What? <laughs> <laughs> We're all all three of us are extremely boring. <laughs> It's true. Well, I mean, only two of us are in. Well, no, we're actually all in long-term committed relationships at this point. 
but some of our relationships are longer and that's oh, not okay all over measuring dicks here yeah, with monogamy. yeah. <laughs> i got big dick that's all i gotta say about that we're a bunch yeah. of big dick we're a bunch of yeah. big monogamy dick motherfuckers on this podcast yes sir <laughs> Uh, the billboard, uh, billboard of Danny DeVito's Napoleon uh, was actually in L.A. and people thought it was a real uh, poster movie for a movie and they thought he changed his name. <laughs> but they had to like verify like, hey, you know, we're fine. This is just part of a movie. Um, but yeah, for the... <sighs> Any scene that you guys liked? I... I appreciated John Travolta like being really good at hand-to-hand combat for some reason. <laughs> oh, dude, kicking the shit out of James Gandolfini. That was great. I mean, he yeah. I mean he essentially did a really good job of portraying a super badass bookie who would could get his money whenever he wanted without yeah. having to do anything over the top. I love the scene where like he was in his back room when Bones walked in and he got tipped off that he was walking in there and he just shot just perfectly over his forehead. Yeah, I thought that, that was, scene was, that was great. Cool. The um, whole other the whole other jacket sequence was good. I appreciated oh, that. Oh god, yeah, yeah, it was. Uh Bo threatening Bear by just holding his daughter was a really great scene. Like it was just really subtle, just like I love the subtlety in this movie and basically just like whenever anyone got to act and just talk yeah. and monologue was always just so good. Like this movie alone, if you didn't think about it, it's like the fact that like um John Travolta's character got his way the entire movie. The entire like just the way he the way he um you know, hey, I want this, where we're gonna get it. Hey, I want this, you're gonna get it. Hey, I want huh? this guy, we're gonna get it. It was just uh, about how good he was at what he does. <laughs> I'd like to follow this rabbit hole of like the sort of stylized movies with cool people talking to each other and like someone has a plan or they fuck with the wrong person. Then that person has a plan. And then there's like yeah. a treasure that they're trying to get like the, the whole like MacGuffin of the, 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 the money in the locker. Like, so oh, you yeah. want to do national treasure. Yeah. Cause like snatch has the diamond, like ocean oceans 11 does it. <laughs> That's the, it's the, it's a it's a good formula. I, I enjoyed I, it. I like the scene of him him going to the airport and then he's like, I know this is a, a setup. I'm just gonna scout it out. And the idea of him scouting it out and then like just going to 217 and then acting like he is going to the C eighteen, but he went to C seventeen. And then he's acting like he has to go C eighteen and then you know the special the cops pull him over and stuff and you know, what's going on? Yeah. You know, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was just opening my suitcase. <laughs> I, I, I appreciated like... the subtle uh, advertisement for Playboy in the movie. I thought that yeah. was funny. <laughs> yeah. I just like I like the idea of the fact that it's the like there was an end game to that scene of like the airport because like when we go to the airport and there's like the the random guy that's waiting and waiting and he's like I can't go then he's the one that gets shot and then he falls off the the balcony. I'm like, okay, what's with this guy? Where we're going? Where where are we going with this? You know, whole airport stuff and C18, and like, and I like the fact that there was the end game of the fact, like, Tavolta setting up 
bones to go to the you know c18 and he's the one that's going to get arrested even though it becomes like you know the ending to the movie in the movie. Yeah, i appreciated like how travolta was just always seven steps ahead like mm-hmm. he like nothing he said wasn't said with like a purpose like he would put stuff in gene hackman's character's head because like he specifically wanted him to get these ideas to create other chaos happening uh, I really liked the scene where Bones killed the other guy, the throw it over the mountain guy. Cause I liked the just like it was the one actual like strong arm guy, especially when he punched that uh dude's wife in the face. Oh yeah, that was violent. <laughs> like <laughs> that I came didn't out of like, nowhere. Well, yeah. it was to it was really to show like the extreme differences between him and Chili. Is that like yeah. Chili like played nice and just would get up close to you and like wanted to do things the easy way could threaten you in a way where you knew if you didn't do it that way, things were going to be bad. Whereas yeah. Bones character was just like, I'm going to fuck you up. And that's what it's going to be. I, I like the fact, like the, the raising of the, you know, chili character, Volta's character playing it cool and calm is like, he basically gives away his, his poker face without giving, you know, because he, when he's talking to Volta to a Dan DeVito, and he's like, you gotta be just be staring at the guy saying, like, I own you without even saying that, you know, you're I own you and you're gonna do everything I want you to with the that stare. And then the scene uh goddamn every goddamn thing about Hollywood always has to talk about the Ivy because it's like that famous restaurant that famous people eat at. Yeah. I love that scene of them being like, he's gonna be fucking up his own ass and order this bullshit thing. And he just orders it for the table and that like shitty strawberry drink. And she's just like, what the fuck is all this? Yeah, it's like I want two omelets uh, with burnt shallots you know, on top. Oh, that was funny. That's right. Uh, and then he's like, I got to go. It's like. <laughs> um, but like I, it's that I was thrown off. Like it caught me off guard of the scene when they go to. When Rene Russo and uh, Travolta go to uh, Dan DeVito's house, and then Travolta knows the like DeVito side piece because you, they don't portray it off. Because when they when Hackman's driving through L.A. with Travolta, and they see them, and he's like, "Huh," and he's like, "Oh, they eat there every day," and he's like, "Huh," and then when they meet, they know each other. I'm like. I didn't see that coming because they Tavolta didn't play that card of like, oh, I know her or any facial recognition of like, oh, you know, you can see in his face that he knows her. But once he, you know, once he shows up, she walks out and like, oh, yep, they know each other from Miami. Like the cast in this movie overall is just really strong, but I really think anyone like I can't picture anyone else making this movie as good as it was without John Travolta. Like, I feel like without Travolta, this movie falls apart really easily because there's not a lot of holding it together. Travolta's acting is like what really carries this movie through from not being a dumpster fire because they're like the plot is a little loosey goosey and probably loses the plot too easily. And like the storylines kind of converge, but not very well. But like you end up not caring because like Travolta is just so suave and fun to watch that you kind of like let it go without caring too much about it. Mm-hmm. Well, and so I kind of like 
I, I just, I mean, I've got my problems with this movie too, but I kind of appreciated that the plot wasn't totally easily grabbable because it sort of it assumed the movie assumed a certain level of intelligence in the audience, which I appreciated. So it's like this is, I mean, this is like an adult movie for adults, which was it was kind of fun. There was going to be like a chance that you like throughout the whole movie, you maybe I, I, I might be on an island my own. But there was like there was a, you think there'd be a chance like Tavolta was going to die like it, it, it exclude the fact we know there's a sequel, but it's just you know what I mean or, or at least get shot, you know what I mean like you you think that because of the fact that throughout the whole movie Chile ha- is seven steps ahead of everybody, and you think his you know it'll catch up to him at one point of the movie, but it never does because he's just seven steps ahead of everybody the entire time. I almost, super appreciated the line later in the movie where it was like, I've been shot at three times. Yeah. Once accidentally, <laughs> yeah. twice on purpose. <laughs> I mean, I I'm only going to die when I want to die. Yeah, he's almost supposed to be like a superhero, I think, kind of. Like, I've, I have I have no idea, not a single tiny, even little bit clue what the next movie is about, but I'm guessing that it's about him continuing to be that guy that always has a plan. <laughs> and like is making movies successfully in Hollywood, and then he's got to solve some problem, and then The Rock yeah. shows up and flexes muscles and r- runs through a wall and chases Vin Diesel over rooftops. You're like, not for- wrong, but you're also <laughs> not right. Okay, yeah. Like for me, I lost track of how much money people owe. <laughs> like what the uh, the guy that, Hackman the- owed Bo two hundred k. The, to make to buy the movie, oh, what's that actress's name who showed up in the skimpy thing just to bone Midler? Yeah, oh, who Bet Midler? Who, Bet who Midler fucking a... slayed! Like, come yeah. on, Bet Midler. I was going to ask Keith of his horny level since Bet Midler and lingerie, and I think. That... By the way, like there there was dick grabbing in this movie. That, that was, was awesome. He grabbed him by the dick and threw him down the stairs. Oh no, no, ah. she she grabbed his dick and was like, "Yeah, you're hard. You like this." Yeah, oh, that true. too. Yeah, no, but a like. Lot. There, there ain't much dick grabbing going on in movies in the 2020s. That's all. Oh, I'm here saying. we go. Here we go. <laughs> I um, went. Would, yeah, I'll Matt Midler fucking slayed. What? That's why I did not know she was in this movie because she's uncredited. Her and Harvey Keitel are both uncredited, so that's why when you look up the cast, they're not there for even though they're there for a scene or two. But yeah, Bette Midler was holding up Gene Hackman's character for half a million to buy the script. Because the, her late husband's name was on it. Yeah, the dude who skipped town from Ocean's Thirteen owed fifteen k. It was three hundred thousand. No, he owed fifteen k. He oh. swindled the airline company for three hundred thousand, and then okay. he ran that up to half a million in Vegas, but was down, but only had three hundred and ten on him, or whatever. And yeah, uh, Chili took that, took the three hundred k. Just as flat out, that's mine now. And then borrowed the 10K at like 18% interest, which holy shit. I mean, get a better rate, Chili Palmer. But yeah, that's where all the money would go. I, I like the fact that the guy that t- Chili took the money from, he's like, I'm taking the uh, eight extra 10K at 18% or whatever. And then they, like the guy walks out. And he's like, no, 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 it's 25%. So you owe this much in, in, in a year. And then, like, Tavolta does uh, Zoolander's Blue Steel. And the guy's like, all right, yep, yep, okay, 18%, yep, 10,000, yep, okay, you can that have that money. That fucking turnaround was such a good scene. I'm just like, you're done. And he's like, I'm done, I'm done. 
<laughs> I'm out. Um, the whole time with James Gandolfini saying that he's a stunt double for like, I was like, no, you're not. Like, I there, there is an end game to it, and I, I was just like, you're not a stunt double. Like, you're there's no way you're stunt double. And then like later on, he's like, how many movies have you done? Like twenty. And like, okay, so he his character, he was a stunt double, but then he went into the you know mob type thing. Oh, that's and funny. I. I always believe the stunt double. That scene when he like he gets his ass kicked and he's all sad. He's like, you you probably haven't seen them. <laughs> yeah, that was such a. They they were bit parts like, nah, dude. I love movies. Tell me about it. Like yeah. just like connection yeah. that Chili makes with people instantly uh-huh. was so good. So I'm always bitching about the lack of movie stars we have now. Who plays uh, John Travolta now in Get Shorty 2022? Probably something gross like Chris Pratt or something. I was or or Hemsworth. I thought it'd be like. Ugh. Or Daniel Craig. <laughs> I mean, I could get behind Craig, so at least Craig can act. Yeah. Like, I'm fully on board with the, like, Chris Hemsworth and Chris Pratt can't act. Yeah, they're boring. Pratt could act, and then he joined that, like, batshit crazy church. No, he didn't. Now he's too, like, straight edge. <laughs> no, he's... It, I saw an he interview. Was... He's like, he, 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 someone put it online, and then he's just like, mm-hmm. I don't know where anybody got that from. I'm not that religious. <laughs> Because he was best friends with the dude who ran that batshit crazy okay. church. Well, I don't care. I don't judge people. I don't give a fuck. So. <laughs> I love judging people myself. I know you do. <laughs> but yeah, like Chris Pratt, like what happened to Parks and Rec Chris Pratt? What, what happened to Tomorrow War Chris Pratt? <laughs> no, I, I don't watch that because it's a Amazon Prime movie. So not a movie. No, that's a, it's a, it's a TV. It's a web short. That's a good, that joke's not mine, but that's a good joke that these Netflix movies and Amazon movies aren't TV movies either because it's not TV. So they're just like web shorts. But they're not shorts. <laughs> or they're web longs. <laughs> uh, I don't know who would be uh, today's because it's just the same 20 people. So I just got, I got no, no one in mind. It like, would be the man who saved Chris Hemsworth's new movie from being a dumpster fire. It'd be Christian Bale. Bale could do it. Joe doesn't like that we talk shit about the new Marvel movie because Joe likes him, but Christian Bale saved that guy. No, no, I'm I'm trying to think of Christian Bale as this type of character. Dude, Christian Bale can do anything. That man's a psychopath. He's like, well, he's a character. Literally, he's played a psychopath. No, I was going to say the only reason why is because I see the meme of him from uh, American Psycho. I was like, tell me why this won't work, you dumb son of a bitch. Tell me, like, like, why won't it it's work? It's weird that the role I hate Christian Bale in is Batman. Like, I hate Christian Bale's <laughs> Batman. And it made me hate Christian Bale for a while, but, like, I finally shook that off that it's just... Maybe it's that I don't hate Christian Bale as Batman. I just... I think I'm realizing I'm not a Nolan guy. I will watch every Nolan movie, and I will like it on the first view, and then afterwards I'll realize that it's overrated. His new trailer <laughs> came out, dude. Oh, I, I watched it. <laughs> yeah, I haven't yet. So, uh, people that turned down the role, you guys want to take a guess? Bruce Willis. Uh, one, uh, Nick two, Cage. three, four, five. There's five people that turned it down. Bruce Willis is a good guess. I'm going to guess Nick Cage. Um, okay. 90s, 90s. Uh, Keanu Reeves. Joey Lawrence. Okay. Let's go Morgan Freeman. <laughs> I love that line about Morgan Freeman in the goddamn movie. What about Morgan Freeman? He's a colored 
Why can't a colored guy play the role? That line. Oh, God, that was fucking funny. Can you do one more? 90s. Jim Carrey. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, you got one right. That'd be Bruce Willis. Damn it. Uh, Michael Keaton. Yep. Robert okay. De Niro. Yep. Al Pacino. Yeah. And Ugh. Dustin Hoffman. While Dustin, uh, Hoffman, Dan, Dustin Hoffman would have ruled. While Danny DeVito was the first choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Chili Palmer? Yeah, he was the first choice, but since Matilda came in play, they had him do the Martin Weir character. Uh, oh, the the dude, writer... That had been such the, a different movie. Yeah. Uh, the According to the writer of the show, um, of the movie, uh, Martin Weir is based on the writer's dealings with his own dealings with Dustin Hoffman. Nah, that's so hilarious. I've always Martin, heard Dustin Hoffman's kind of a douchebag. I haven't heard anything. Maybe. Uh, what else? Um, uh, proceed. No, that's not nothing good. Uh, <laughs> during the stair scene, they just had DeVito do several different uh, shots. So they just let the camera keep rolling, take after take after take. So they just like thought they could do it. And I, I thought that scene was funny of them trying to do the, hey, all right, we need you to do the stare of like, I got you, but you know, I'm not going to show you. And I, I like the fact like he's going to get all actorish and Rene Russo's like, stop. <laughs> Just stop. It is, that is the one thing that's nice about Hollywood movies about acting in Hollywood is that actors know how silly acting can look from the outside. So they're like really good at like making fun of like the exercises they have to do and shit. Mm-hmm. I always I always appreciate those moments. <laughs> like I like the fact that he's like Devito's like I'm a method actor. It's like <laughs> I can I can uh you know I can uh, I can get into your mind right you know and he's like we'll try. It's like well I, well I I can't off the top of my head but if you gave me two weeks <laughs> you know like I got your accent down and stuff. But like I I really it's that crazy thing of the fact of you know we you brought up the whole cast and it's like we brought up um where is there we are um we brought up how uh a role um travolta was in 90 the 90s and then i'm looking like everybody else's and it's like um gene hackman in 94 is wyatt earp and then the crick and the dead and then crimson tide then he did get shorty and then he did the birdcage yeah gene hackman well gene yeah gene hackman's huge then he's done more movies but then he did like enemy of the state in 98 and the replacements 2000 um for like danny devito jr he did get shorty then he was in matilda space jam mars attacks um la confidential he was a voice in hercules um, Rene Russo was in uh, Major League Two, Outbreak, Get Shorty, Tin Cup, Ransom, Buddy, Lethal Weapon 4, Thomas Crown Affair, which I know Keith had at his parents' house. And they're like, you know, it's just like, that's a ton of movies that these people have been in. And like, this is their stride, their peak. We haven't talked enough about Renee in this movie. She was so good. Like she yeah. served such a great role in this movie. It was, ah, uh, and see her go from being like C rate starlet to like the other 50% of the chili, like regime was kind of cool. 
yeah, it's not, you know, it's like, hey, you're, he's like, you're a great actress. He's like, no, I'm just, uh, I'm decent. And he's like, no, no, you're really good. Like you blew, you can blow people out of the water by what you're acting. And then towards the end, does it, does it look like she's becoming in more of an agent? Yeah. Or she's, a producer. She or? switches over to producer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That goddamn the fucking running bit with the minivan was so fucking funny to me. It's the Mercedes of vans, okay? Yeah, it's that, the, that Cadillac the, of the Cadillac of vans. Yeah, and the fact that like he lets Devito drive it, and then Devito shows up for lunch with it was so fucking funny to me. Like that's sort of like one of the things I was like I was slightly confused on this for this movie is like who's who's banging who and who's banged who? Basically, <laughs> Renee Renee Russo banged all three of the main guys. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, it's just like that. Like, all right, who's who? And then, like, uh, every time Devito saw Russo, he's like, "Man, you're, you're you smell great. You're beautiful. We should really give it another, another shot." You know, and she's like, "No, nah, I'm good." But like, what I was saying about how this is like reminds me of that Nick Cage movie, and it's like during that lunch scene, they bring up like how the main guy who you know the chili character should have a love interest, and like at the time in the movie itself. You know, Rene Russo and him were getting closer and closer. So he's now getting that love interest. And I was like, like when that scene happened, I'm like, oh, that this is just like that Nick Cage movie of, um, you know, as they're talking about the movie, the situation, as they're talking about the movie that they're producing and writing is happening in real life. Well, and I think that the, the weight, the immense weight of massive talent is like, yeah. that is that movie in itself is an homage to these, like these nineties movies. Mm-hmm. I, I think like, that's why a lot of people liked it because yeah. it like remind people of the nineties and mm-hmm. you know, even in those movies, they riff on the fact it's like, this is a low income or low budget movie that won't have the prat, the flash, the flash and bang of like a, of a um, Marvel movie or star Wars movie. You know, it's just more of like a, a down earth type movie. And like, I, but I think, you know, <laughs> excuse me, they knocked it out more with the comedy on that on that one but this one you know what rick said it's like that dry humor of a of a film also i i'm getting to the point where i need less like i don't need comedy and everything some stuff can be serious or just fun without having to be like slapstick marvel humor that's one of my biggest complaints about the newest thor movie is they went too far into the humor side like Yo, that sounded like permission to watch Snyder Cut. Uh, <laughs> I mean, shit. I never had to give permission for you to pick whatever yeah, movie you want to do. Not, there's not one joke in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> no, see, the like, joke okay, is the random scenes. I'm okay with stuff not having to be full of gags. Like, I'm okay with like some movies having just dry comedy or stuff in the background. I don't need everything to be a Marvel movie. Like I like stuff to be different and having more serious, just acting and stuff like that. So I'm okay with it not being so full of gags. Mm-hmm. The next one will be the next one's kind of built more <laughs> like a Marvel movie. So we'll there kind of drawing, but. Um, but I, I, I like, Go ahead, I was just going to throw in one more item there before we move on to more stats. The yeah. One thing, I wasn't ter- the, the music in the movie, it felt really of the time and it often didn't quite do it for me. 
like the music it, i feel like we've watched movies similar to this with better movies on mm-hmm. this pod, or better me sorry better music on this podcast this this movie this movie had like songs in it but they tried to like how do i want to put it like they like i felt like i've heard them before like they jazzed them up to be like a yeah. a a i a, 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 uh like a mingle type like uh, not yeah. a mingle like um what do you call well, them i swear like oceans 11 just uses that guitar riff yeah <laughs> for like they're like it's like a, a lot of movies moving uh, that's why i think the music bugged me because this is an early example of that style of movie with that style of music but the, the the movies that went on for the next 20 years after this movie like built and expanded upon that style of music that like only fits in this kind of movie so Isn't that like, kind of like i think it's more of like less just this movie and more of a like a 90s thing because i feel like the 80s movies really nailed music yeah in movies and I think there was just a really dead period in the '90s until like the noughties brought it back around. Yeah, Harry Sonnenfeld nailed music in Men in Black, though. <laughs> or did help that he had, you know, Dan- at the Danny. time, at Old the Danny time, Elfman. one Will Smith too. Oh yeah. Here uh, comes the Men in Black. Director Barry Sonnenfeld hated this movie initially because he thought it was all talk and no action, but positive audience responses changed his mind. Uh, Wait, that's like what made this movie was the fact that it was all talk and no action. I think any more action probably could have ruined the movie. It just it would have it would have it would have made it approach that two hour mark, and I would have been very angry. <laughs> uh, this is Barry Sonnefeld's only rated R movie, and that's I got crazy. point. It's and not at one very, point, it's, and it, it's not very rated R. <laughs> I, I was going to say it's really not that rated R. I think it's just because of like the one scene where the dude from Columbia gets shot in the gut, it's actually bloody. Yeah. Well, and they yeah. probably fuck. more art because you don't really see the nudity of the naked girls jumping in the pool when they're at bows. No, I saw it. I mean, you see that they're naked, but you don't <laughs> see anything. He, he paused it. Yeah, pause zoom. Pause zoomed yeah. and enhanced. Yeah. Uh, crazy fact here about uh, Renee, Zell, uh, Renee Russo and uh, John Tavolta is that Renee Russo is one day older than Tavolta. Like oh, born, born the same year, every like it's just like yeah, it was like. Huh. Well, that's the worst fact you've ever came up with on this. Show. I got I, you know. I'm reading the fun facts here, guys. Um, damn, you got any more? You got any more exciting facts? Uh, really, Keith? You of all people making fun of someone's lines. Hey, the wall mural of Martin Weir we're, cost eight thousand. Fun, we're having fun here, dude. That painting of Danny DeVito was awesome. Yeah, I wonder I where that see, went after the movie. Probably, hopefully, at Devito's house. But yeah. that probably that was probably the beginning. Like that photo, someone saw and was like, "I'm gonna make candles." Like the you know the fake candles and stuff. Like the Nick, like I have like I now have two Nick Cage candles with him posing. <laughs> and I think this is the this poster alone was the beginning of a uh, of uh, those type of things. Uh, let me see what else I can find here. Um, any more barn burners of a fax for Keith Swetland here? Um, Why don't you uh, make some jokes there, funny man, Keith? You yeah, come on, funny. Keith. Yeah, man. Hey, I'm not, I'm not a goddamn joke pony here. All right, I don't just follow joke orders. I don't even know what that means. Hey, I, if, I, I can do Ebert. If you want, yeah, just get yeah. it out of the way. Yeah, yeah, let's do Ebert. Okay, this, this, it'll be interesting. 
Ebert. I watched. Oh, it's funny. I watched old Siskel and Ebert. I watched this episode on YouTube this uh, today before the show, and boy, it was it's a it, it was fun. Like I'm surprised that kind of show doesn't exist anymore. It's like two kind of like hip smart movie critics talking to each other on a. It, it, I feel like that format would work. I guess it's all YouTube now. Yeah, I was about but, to say. I feel like that's more an online thing now. Because yeah. yeah. I like. I'm a big Red Letter Media fan. That's kind of what they do. But um, shit, where'd my paragraph go? Oh my god! Oh, thank God, I found it. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, a little reading series here. One of the pleasures of Get Shorty is watching the way the plot moves effort effortlessly from crime to the from crime to the movies. Not a long, not a long distance, as both industries are based on fear, greed, creativity, and intimidation. Elmore Leonard's characters may exist in the crevices of society, but they are smart and verbal and don't take forever to get to the point. There are a lot of scenes in the movie where people come into the room wanting one thing and leaving wanting another. They are they are persuaded to change their minds by the seductive lure of Hollywood. Even Barboni, one of Farina's best performances with a broken nose that grows more painful to look at every time we see it, is not immune to the glitter. So Ebert loved this movie. It I was, did love the nose bit through yeah. the movie. It was so gr- like at one point it was so gross and purple. Uh huh. That punch was that was a good movie punch. That was a good like. It, it was convincing. <laughs> it looked heavy and sounded good. Oh, I can I can tell you who could be a. Oh wait, never mind. They have different names here because they did they did in 2017 they did do a Get Shorty TV show. We're on uh, FX, right? Epic, e- epic, oh, epic, and it's based, it was two different characters, but like it's one was uh Crystal Dowd, uh, he's from um Bridesmaids, he's the one that follows, oh, uh, yeah, yep, yep. goes with um Kristen Wig and Ray Romano was the other guy. I was yeah. like, oh, Ray, Ray Romano must be chilly. He's like, no, they're just way different names. <laughs> but that only lasted two seasons. Yeah, that was over a third. No, two. Um, yeah, you know, some of, like, I think some of the things I didn't like, right, we've talked about, like, fact of the, for me, it's just like 40 different, uh, you know, jokingly, 40 different uh plot lines going into one and it's just like cut it down to three maybe you can do three and a half and you call it good yeah joe you're uh, crazy great the get shorty show had three seasons did it oh yeah yeah like no one else watched <laughs> bump bump what was what it's like an imdb show or something yikes wherever epics Epic. is on whatever the, yeah whatever the fuck that is i don't know it says watch on prime so i don't know if it's on prime <laughs> yeah uh I liked I liked the small things of in the, for this movie is like the fact of like Tavolter continuously breaking into Russo's house and he's just like oh, the back door is open oh uh, the front door is open uh you know <laughs> those lines were good might want to get it locked you gotta be uh, careful you got a lot of nice stuff in here I w- when he when when uh, Bones finds Tavolta in the apartment I'm like. I was just wanting him to like just turn around. I'm like, oh, you're here already, you know. Like, but you know, these type of movies, you you can't, you don't see the dark shadow in the bathroom lurking in the uh, door frame until he turns the light on. But uh, anything you guys didn't like for this movie, other than we've talked about? 
No, I think I pretty much touched on it. it, it like, like, like I said, kind of at the start, like I, I respect the structure and I respect the, what they did with the genre. It's, it's, it just like, I can't quite put my finger on it. I was just like a little bored at times watching yeah. it. It yeah. just, it could have used a little bit better editing. I yeah. feel like there's probably enough fluff in there to cut out five to 10 minutes to make it a cleaner movie. Yeah. Uh, I will say, uh, Tavolta did get paid 3.5 million for this movie. Not bad for mid 90s. Yeah. Uh, so the budget for this movie, want to take a guess, unless you know. 37. 37 and one dollar. You motherfucker. 30 million. God damn it. <laughs> Uh, let's go to the gross. Uh, domestically, it got 72 million, internationally, 43 million, so around 115 million worldwide. That's respectable. Right. Yeah, so job. let's let's go to the box office of August, October 20th through the 22nd, of 1995. Let's yeah, see baby. See. Yeah, baby. So I just want to bring this in just because I know Keith loves this movie. Coming at number 13 in its first week with uh, Anaconda. Uh, 1.3 million. None. Mall rats. Oh, nice. I do, I, I do love that movie. Children should be taught to fear and respect the escalator. Goddamn right. <laughs> Goddamn right. Um, so the box office goes thusly. Uh, coming in at number 10 in its uh, second week with $2 million. The Scarlet Letter. Um, I watched that for English. It's a Demi Moore, it's a Demi Moore movie. Nona writer too, I think. Yeah. Why would you be made to watch the movie for an English class and not read, you know, the book? Oh no, we did both. Yeah. Oh, that's stupid. <laughs> yeah, who, ca- who cares about that? Uh, coming in at number nine in its uh, fourth week with two million uh, to die for. It's the Nicole Kidman movie where she's uh she uh, might bang a a, a a teenager. So what got that going? For. <laughs> What? It's a beautiful but naive aspiring television personality films a documentary on teenagers with a dark ulterior motive. So, uh, coming to number eight in its second week with 2.1 million, Jade. Woody Allen? No, it's... Um, oh, that's a different... D- DEA investigates a gruesome hatchet murder and hides the clues he found at the crime scene. My God. Uh, uh, all the evidence points to the person he loves. So fun fact there. Uh, number seven in its third week with 2.5 million dead presidents. Dude, I know I've never none s- of these. I know none of these movies. I've never seen the movie, but I've seen the cover. It's yep, like the, the all Hollywood the, video. Like, <laughs> the Hollywood video. Yep, yep. Uh, white face paint with like black eye circles and mouth. Uh, coming in number six in its third week with 2.6 million. How to make American quilt? Yeah, I got nothing on that one. Uh, number five in its first week with 2.9 million. Never talk to strangers. Rick Moranis. Uh, I think it's Antonio Banderas. Uh, well, it looks like in the on the poster. Okay. Uh, coming in number four in its third week with 3.4 million. A movie we should know. Assassins. Sylvester Stallone and Antonio Banderas. 
Okay. I, I guess myself. Fuck me. Uh, number three in its fifth week was seven million. Seven. Yep. Oh, that, that I know that movie. I love that movie. That's crazy. I think seven so, came out in 95. 95. The, well, first of all, what's in the hole? What's in the what's in my hands? A bowling ball that <laughs> you have your own yet? goddamn head. Don't say what's in the box. <laughs> uh, coming in number two in its first week was 7.4 million. Uh, now and then. It's the movie about the four girls and the 12 and then when they're older and they flash forward, flashback type movie. Nope, don't know it. Uh, then number one with, with 12 million, Get Shorty. They that was a weird that list. Movie, they reviewed that last movie you said and Get Shorty and Mall Rats on the episode of uh, Cisco and Ebert that I watched. <laughs> Get, uh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Did Ebert love Mall Rats too? I didn't get to that part before. Yeah, I what's that? Recording. That's the point. I know. Okay. Okay. Uh, ratings. Uh, Keith's gonna love this. IMDb gave it a what, Keith? Was it a six point nine? Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah. There's nothing funny about that rating. It's just a D plus. Yep. Uh, Ron Tomato gave all audience gives this an eighty-eight percent, while top critics gave this a hundred percent. But there's only like twenty-one uh, yeah. people. Audience though gave it a seventy. Uh, what are, are we gonna rank anything here? Because I don't know much what we could could have ranked i mean we probably be best chili mvp um, mvp's john travolta yeah um i agree i think Travolta's mvp we'll probably have to come up with our rankings after we watch the second one for like what are thing what are things yeah, in would, common between the two movies that would make sense is there like a yeah. is there is there any sort of heist or like trick or a double cross <laughs> coming up I, I don't i don't know I just really couldn't think of anything because I, I, you know, from what I've seen from the posters, only like half of the main, you know, the main four that are on the poster from this one are in that next one. So, and I'm um, curious because I remember when that movie came out. I'm curious if it's like a spiritual sequel or if it's like a sequel sequel. It's a sequel sequel. Oh, okay. So, uh, so yeah, we'll figure out our ranking for next week if we even have one for the uh, the Shorty franchise. Joe's just trying to skip the fucking warmed up chocolate drink. I mean, also, we'll have to have something that's like an entire bit of the goddamn podcast. Well, we got to find something. But before uh, it'd be like if we just suddenly had Keith not make shitty jokes to open the show. That's yeah, it's like it's like it's it's like that. Hey, Batman Forever seventeenth uh, in this movie uh, at the box office. There, uh, let's go to uh, let's go and glaze some stars. What are you gonna? Well, boys, let's. Uh... There's no real music to play off of in this one, so we're just gonna glaze some stars. Two Men in Black. No, we'll do <laughs> Men in Black eventually, <laughs> and then it'll be here comes the glaze in black. Glaze in black. Here comes to get shorty score. <laughs> Here it comes. Glazing all over you. Yeah. Guys are real stepping over my bit, and I don't appreciate it. I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. You don't see me opening shows with shitty jokes <laughs> that no one laughs at. I'm so depressed. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Keith, Keith came in hot, and this is what you're going to do to him. Got it. Okay. Uh, Keith, what do you give us? 
So I think I can't give it any less than three stars just because of everything that came after it, kind of like what I was talking about. I feel like this movie sort of shaped things after, but I also got bored, which is turning into my big sin in this podcast. So I'm gonna go three stars. It's a, it's a technically very good movie. <laughs> I go three and a half. I thought mainly just because John Travolta to me carried it. And I just had a lot of fun watching John Travolta. I probably could have easily done with 10 to 15 minutes less of this movie, but because the ending definitely like in the end, I was a little bored and convoluted, but yeah, John Travolta to me carries it to a three and a half. Uh, I will give it a two and three quarters. That's a quarter of a star lower than Yuki. Yeah, but three stars is an important line to cross. Okay. Uh, uh, that brings the <laughs> overall rating in at a 3.1, which to me, that feels pretty... I appreciate... It's always our combined scores that usually get us a score that's pretty deserved. Yeah. So, yeah, I think a 3.1, that fits get shorty. I, I think that's where it should be. Yeah. Seems about right. About a three, yeah. I think the only time we've over or underrated a movie was when Joe gave Fast Five five stars. Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah. I should have. <laughs> should Yeah. The ones Keith forgets. Forget, you know. Yeah, 3.1. Three so we're moving on with the series as next week here, we will be discussing the sequel to... Get shorty. 2005's Be Cool. Ooh, that movie's gonna be that's a weird time in movies. That's gonna be interesting. <laughs> it's also a very loaded cast. Like it's a loaded cast. Nice. Um, so you know, I I will say I I do I've never seen it, but I do remember the movie because of the fact that the rock's in it and I want to say somebody in like at school for some reason had a be cool poster. Like I, I'm trying. Like I've seen the be cool. Oh, like one poster. of the teachers. Yeah, like it was like a. You're right. Like, Holy shit! <laughs> thank you. Okay. I, okay. Who? Yeah. Who was it that had a I, bunch I, of movie posters in there? I room? don't remember who, but I remember they had like a be cool poster, and that wasn't Larry. Uh... Leadkey, he wasn't the one. That's that's, posters, that's middle. It? That's that's middle school. My oh, dude. Careful, careful high school. He, he, high school. He, he might be listening. <laughs> yeah, Larry. Larry. Hey, Larry. We totally you. never called you Harry Leddick. That's not a thing. Probably. We missed, we missed you in a bowling class, Larry. Probably that was that was a good nickname. It was. <laughs> but yeah, it was a very I, I, twelve and thirteen year old nickname. I don't know. It still holds up. It's pretty funny. It holds up. It holds up. <laughs> No, but yeah, the the fact like they had a be cool poster in their classroom. I I forgot the teacher who, but I, I remember just staring at it like that's constantly. so lame, <laughs> right? Now you think about it, it's like that's not a good poster. Imagine that'd there. be like me, like dude, have you guys heard Ocean's Twelve is coming out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, coming yep next week here, two thousand five's be cool. You can go to nocellentertainment.com. That's right, nocellentertainment.com. We can find all the blogs, all the podcasts, everything that we do for you. You can uh, find us on the social medias, the Facebook, the Twitter, and the Instagram. Give us a like, a follow, thumbs up, thumbs down, a request, movie franchise request. 
let us know what you want us to watch and we'll put it in consideration. I won't. Um, I'll ignore anything and everything anyone ever suggests to me. That's what I knew that would be from you. Uh, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can listen to all of our podcasts wherever you listen to your podcasts. I forgot Keith isn't in on the bit that I hate any and every single one of our fans, including a fan who became part of the podcast. I'm coming for you, Booble. <laughs>